Welcome to the debut episode of Same Geek Channel. This is for Friday, December the 14th. I am one of your hosts. My name is Joey Mills. I'm with GeekDad.com. And joining me tonight on the line, we have... Um, <laughs> it's, okay, yeah, sorry. it's hard not to know when to speak over somebody, but uh, somebody go first. Okay, um, I'm Karina Lawson. I'm founding editor of GeekMom.com, and I'm the Amazon best-selling author of Steampunk Fiction. Very good. And I and I am Lisa Hollander. I am a TV producer and former Geek Mom contributor. So we are here to talk TV tonight. Um, just as a bit of backstory, I guess. Same Geek Channel was that? Was it Mordecai that came up with that years ago, or was that? Well, it was Mordecai and myself. Okay. So I I, I knew I. I thought that was the situation, but uh, Seam Geek Channel is kind of the brand, for lack of a better term, um, that we have used in the past, in recent years, uh, when we're covering television, whether it's recaps or just sharing our thoughts about, you know, an episode or a season of a particular television show. Um, it's a great name, and so we are going to stick with it and kind of convert it into uh, maybe an ongoing podcast. If if not uh, a regular event uh, where it's like every week or every two weeks, then certainly whenever we have something that we feel that we want to discuss that we've seen on television. And tonight is one of those nights because we can talk about a couple of things. We've got, uh, we've just finished the first season of Doctor Who with a new showrunner and with a new doctor. And we have just completed the big CW Arrowverse crossover, um, both of those happening within the last, you know, four or five days. Um, so we are going to talk about those tonight. But first, uh, if you don't mind, like I said, I know we've established the connection through Geek Dad and through Geek Mom, but if you guys would uh, just take turns uh, and maybe share just a little bit about yourself, whatever it is that you feel comfortable sharing so that uh, the folks at home can kind of put a name and a personality with the voices they're hearing tonight. Okay. Um, I'll go with, um, I'll go first. Um, this is Karina, and I'm like, I'm an older comic book geek. Um, probably picked up my first comic in 1975. So, and uh, myself and Ray Goldfield actually review all of DC Comics uh, each week on Geek Dad. Um, so I come at this uh, whole television thing from a uh, comic book uh, angle and from a grumpy, sometimes curmudgeonly, Old comic geek angle. Never uh, curmudgeonly. <laughs> Never. But uh, I have not traditionally been a fan of live action shows, so I have pretty high standards for them. I like the animated shows better. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, Although, um, you know, a few shows have been growing on me. So. There you go. Um, and I'm Lisa, and I mentioned I'm a TV producer, but I come at this from a, not as much of a comic book. I loved comic books when I was a kid, very much the DC Universe and the Justice League and all of that. Um, and then it wasn't cool anymore to eat for a girl to be into comics, so I kind of hid that part of myself. But I've reestablished it and really have just fallen in love with the Marvel, DC, all of the various forms of movies and TV and things that we have now. Um, so I'm rediscovering it while reminiscing at the same time. Like, Linda Carter was a huge deal for me as a kid. 
<laughs> who I want to know who it was that told you it wasn't cool for girls to be into comics because they Everybody. were wrong. Everybody. Wow. If it sounds like Lisa and I are close to the same age, and yeah, probably everybody. Wow. Everybody. It, you weren't everybody. supposed to do sci-fi fantasy. You weren't supposed to like comics. Girls weren't I was supposed allowed to play sci-fi sports fantasy. or like sports. Mm-hmm. I was allowed sci-fi fantasy. My dad was a big Star Wars fan when it first uh-huh. came out, and so I saw all of those, and that was acceptable. But for some reason, after I was about the age of seven, comic it wasn't okay for me to read comic books anymore. That's sad. It really it was. It was. It was sad. Because you know, the, sort of, the flip I side of that is, we were all looking girls for don't read comics. <laughs> yeah, because we were all too. looking I for the girls that did read comics. <laughs> <laughs> Which is oddly enough, one of the things my husband used to say to me when we first met. Exactly. Right. That, like, had I known you read comics, you, you were, you're were just that much cooler now. <laughs> we would have got married long ago. <laughs> Very long time ago. So, well, yeah. This is your place to let your geek flag fly, as always, oh, with I everything Geek that. Dad and Geek Mom related. So, which should we start with first? I'm going to leave it up to you two. We've got the Arrowverse crossover, and we've got Doctor Who. Do, do you feel strongly about one that you want to kick off the conversation with, or... Where, where should we go I first? I feel like we have more to say about the Arrowverse crossover, so maybe we should start with Doctor Who. Okay. Is that fine with everybody? Yeah, that's fine. I haven't seen the last two episodes, though. Okay, well, we will off. try to go spoiler-free as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Doctor Who is a good place to start, because I wanted to add, when I was at New York Comic Con, I was able to get into the Doctor Who panel. Oh, wow. Nice. And so I wasn't sure what they would do, but they scheduled it to take place during the world premiere right. of the episode. So I was in reserve seating in the big theater at um, um, that they have there at Madison Square Garden uh, for New York Comic Con events, and they played the episode um, to 2,000 people. Now, tell and us a little bit. How is that different than watching it at home? I mean, obviously the energy is different, but kind of describe that experience of seeing it with all the fans there. Well, I had no idea what to expect. You know, I went in just eyes open, and um, I think they counted down 1 to 13. Oh, nice. And oh, wow. just opened. And the experience was, it's like the difference between watching something on TV and watching a mu- movie, because... We weren't sure when she was going to show up, you know? Right. Yeah. And then her appearance was, like, so startling, and the whole crowd erupted. And then um, it was just the energy in the room was just so positive. And then, of course, she walked on stage. and She talked a little bit about the outfit and her clothes, and they talked to the producers and things. And, um, you know, um, it was amazing. It's one of the geeky, fun, geekiest things I've ever done. Um, <laughs> Sounds amazing. You know, and um, I didn't get to ask any questions, <laughs> you know, but, you know, that that was fine. Um, now, were you, you both? You were in the room where it happened. <laughs> yeah. Huh? You were in the room where it happened. Exactly. I, well, you know, I, was, I had a pretty good angle, but, you know, all the fans lined up for questions, and I hate lining up and taking time away from fans, if I'm correct. Yeah. Right. So, and uh, I knew they would probably ask most of the questions I wanted. And, and they did, but, you know, that that was just that people already had her screwdriver <laughs> in the audience. Her screwdriver's amazing. Yeah, there were cosplayers in the audience already, and, you know, I was kind of 
there. I'm like, yeah, I haven't liked the last couple of seasons. I don't know, she's you know, really is it going to be a doctor I like? And from the first minute she showed up, I thought, she's my favorite doctor. And not because she was a woman, just because she just was so good. Yeah. You know? Now, what is, for both of you, what is your experience with the franchise? Because I jumped on with the reboot back in, oh, whatever it was, oh four, oh seven, oh nine, whenever they rebooted the se- the series now. But for the two of yeah. you, was that when you jumped on as well, or do you have connections to uh, the, the originals? Um, I jumped in there as well, and I've seen as many of the originals as I can get my hands on, which, as you know, isn't all of them. Right. But I... I discovered this when they rebooted it. And yeah. Of these doctors, these new ones from 9 on, or if we're calling him 10 on, I don't remember anymore, um, David Tennant has always been my favorite because he he was so well-balanced in his comedy and his seriousness and his sarcasm and, like, his delivery for everything was just beautiful and amazing. And, jo- and Jodie Whittaker does that. Right. Easily and with, with grace. And it's just, it's beautiful. She really is, as Karina said, the perfect doctor. She she really is. Um, I jumped out with the reboot, too. I had heard about the show, but I grew up in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) before cable. Um, So occasionally the PBS station would come in. Right. It fiddled with the antennas. Now I'm really dating myself. Uh, But certainly not to any great extent. You know, WPIX came in better, so... I was able to watch all of Star Trek um, <laughs> growing up. In black and white. Am I black and white? Of course TV. in black and white. Um, I, we did have a color TV, but the black and white TV was mine. I bought it uh, for my high school job, so that's why it was black and white. So um, I didn't watch any, but the funny thing is, once I started watching the reboot, my oldest son got interested, and he went back and he watched as many of the older episodes as he could. And uh, he loves Ace. Yeah, yeah. So he he turned into more of a geek, uh, Doctor Who geek than I am because he he watched all the older episodes. Yeah, that's kind of how it worked for us too. It took a child, and it took we were because my wife and I, you know, same type of deal. We didn't even jump in until boy, it was almost I want to say around the fiftieth anniversary even. But we started with the Ninth Doctor, and it took a while to get through some you know, syndication, Xena, Hercules level special effects before, you know, we got to the yeah. point where we felt like, okay, well, this is worth sticking with. But yeah, it, once we got into it, I mean, we were caught up by that 50th anniversary. So it's one of those things that you just, you form an attachment to, or you don't. There are still, I still know folks that just can't make that jump. But once you do, it seems like it, it's, I don't want to say all consuming because it sounds bad, but I mean, it's, but when it you, really can be. It can be. It, it can be. Yeah. I didn't dislike any of the doctors, although Eccleson is my favorite, I guess, my first, right? Right. And I thought Tennant was actually too human, I guess. Is that the way to put it? Maybe too human. And you know what? Maybe that's why I liked him so much. Yeah. Because he felt he related to the humans and cared for them so much more than the other doctors. The other doctors almost... I don't want to say that their their companions were throwaways, but I'm not really sure how I want to say it. <laughs> well, I mean, he's nearly everyone's favorite, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and that's fine. Everybody's allowed to have a favorite doctor, I think. 
Although I think Whitaker is now my favorite. Yeah. You know what? And the only one I really can say I didn't like was Capaldi. Like there were there were definitely things I liked about him mm-hmm. as the Doctor, but he felt so harsh. See, and, and that the Doctor isn't harsh. Yeah. He felt harsh. Plus, I think the scripts let him down because I don't think I watched the last season of it. Yeah. I think the only thing I really, really loved was his final speech right before he became Jody Whitaker. Well, see, and uh, he was—he would be after Tenet my second favorite. So I—I I enjoyed it because I think part of it was I liked his performance. Yes, the scripts were rough at times, but he also had such a fantastic foil with uh, Missy. It was just well, you know you can't you separate the two of them. So. The that's true. Their their dynamic was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's get into this past season of Doctor Who. Jodie Whittaker's first as the Doctor. We can do this if you want. Uh, we can go episode by episode. We can, if you have something to say about an episode, then let's talk about it. If not, we can just kind of skim through it because there were, I felt like, some weaker episodes in this season as well as some really fantastic ones so uh, let's start with the season premiere the woman who fell to earth great introduction to the characters like we talked about Um, it also gave us kind of what inadvertently turned into our through line for the season which was grace's death and the effects it had on ryan but uh, in particular graham uh, any thoughts and on the season? Wasn't it you, Joey, that said a few weeks ago on Facebook when we were chatting that there was no through line in this season? Yeah, and there wasn't until the final episode. <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, it, <laughs> yes, it was there all along, as it should be when you're dealing with the loss, you know, a traumatic loss like that. But um, and we'll and we'll talk about this more in depth. But yeah, I and trying to keep it spoiler free as well with that finale i felt like there were some seeds that could have been planted throughout the season that previous seasons had done a better job of doing um i'm not sure exactly and so when it when we got you know the season finale is very much it did a good job of wrapping up and kind of bookending the season but it felt like there were some missed opportunities. I don't know if it was because of time, if it was... I don't. I felt like there were other seasons that planted those seeds better, so when we got that finale, whatever, conflict, reveal, whatever the case was, it, you could look back, and it helped with rewatchability to go back and be like, oh, they were planting the seeds all along. I see it now. Whereas this season, it was like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that could make sense and i guess it yeah i guess i guess you chose to make it go that way that's fine mm-hmm. yeah but. absolutely and you know what i think in general while there were some absolutely amazing standout episodes in this in this season specifically the writing uh, as a whole i think was weaker and it has been in i think since matt smith has been there well as i said i i didn't watch the last season with capaldi mm-hmm. except for uh, bits and pieces i have seen some of missy and then um i didn't think they were doing a good job with the bill season i liked bill right. i liked the characters i just didn't bond to it this season you know it's funny my first thought after oh my god i love jody whittaker was when i saw graham i'm like that's the guy from law and order uk <laughs> <laughs> And he used to be on Law and Order UK with the actress who played Martha. Right. 
And Ooh, so then it became yeah. how many Law and Order UK actors can I find? <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. And, and, um, but I think it's a very different experience watching Graham if you're in UK audience because he is such a star over in the UK, that actor. Yeah. I mean, he's got albums. And, and so um, for us, he disappears into the role of Graham. And I, I wonder how that works if you're, and he's like Brad Pitt, you know, the, the British <laughs> audience. And, uh, when, when you're so familiar with a character, with an actor, sometimes it's hard to separate them from their character. But I loved him on Law and Order UK. He was, um, he has a way of exuding kindness. I think. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I've never seen Law and Order UK. I've just experienced him through Doctor Who. But mm-hmm. he he really does like vivid kindness. Very well. So I thought, um I love Grace. I thought, Oh, we're gonna get an older woman to go traveling and maybe it'll make up for how they messed up Donna and I was bummed out. Um yeah. And I felt like they lost Ryan Thread through the episodes that I've seen um, a little bit, except for, I mean, if the season was only the women who fell to earth, Rosa and... Um, and um, Demons of the Punjab? Yeah. The other one I mean, it would have been worth it just for those. Yeah. Um, I really did like um, the one set in... I didn't like the spider episode. <laughs> no. I, oh my God, can we go ahead and just say spiders. nobody liked the spider episode? Why? Why did it have to be spiders? And why were the spiders more sympathetic than Chris Noth's character? <laughs> well, he was Chris Noth playing Doctor Who anyway. Because he was playing Donald Trump anyway. Right. I know, but I'm and annoyed that I have sympathy that... for the spiders. At some point, somebody had mentioned how they didn't feel like, uh, where is it? I'm going to see if I can find it because we're looking off the same sheet here. Somebody had said, here it is, Lisa. See if this sounds familiar. And the subtle political commentary uh, of we are all the same is done beautifully, unlike in Supergirl where we get slammed over the head with a sledgehammer in every episode. I'm Mm -hmm. going to call a point of order on your use of the word subtle, because if we go back to arachnids in the UK, it is very much well, no, the Donald there Trump episode. There's nothing subtle. I'm like, to... oh, cool, Donald Trump will get eaten by a spider, and then he didn't, and I'm like... And, and then you go to Kerblam, which is very much the Amazon episode. I, I don't know yeah. how yeah, subtle. There were times the like, subtlety was not as subtle. Was just, yeah, no, there was, uh, you're, you're absolutely correct. It wasn't as subtle. But specifically, I was I was thinking about that in the Demons of Punjab. Yeah, and mm-hmm. there there was it was there was beautiful subtlety in that political commentary. Yes, I agree. Which maybe makes it one of the stronger episodes. I mean, we've all I think we all agree that Rosa may be the strongest episode of the season, um, and we can talk about it more in, in depth as well. And then in Demons of the Punjab, between those two, it felt like, like you said, with the with the series or excuse me, season. Uh, premiere. I'm using series now as though I'm British. With the season premiere <laughs> and Rosa and Demons of the Punjab, those three episodes kind of carried the weight, maybe, of the other seven episodes of the season that like you said, to your point, maybe didn't have the best writing um, in, yeah. in recent memory. Well, and those were by own voices writers, which shows yep. what kind of uh, value you get out of, you know, going outside what probably 90% of, I can't speak for what's in the UK, um, but certainly in American television, um, 
it's getting better, but certainly uh, own voices writers are still far and away unicorns on many yes. theories. And, yes. um, and, and it wasn't just we're seeing these stories. You can see the stories that we haven't been getting that we should be getting that are so poignant and intense. And um, what I liked about both these episodes, and one of the things that Doctor Who got away from was, in a lot of ways, was Doctor Who came in and was the hero and fixed things. You know, that's what he does. He or she is the doctor. But this season seemed to go back, particularly those two episodes, of, yes, I'm the doctor, but I'm here to support people who need to do what they need to do. Right. You know, yeah. and not okay. come in and ride on a white horse, and now everything is all better. Um, of course, sometimes the doctor made things worse, but generally speaking. Right. No, I agree. Any other thoughts on this past season of Doctor Who? How does it compare to the other seasons for you? We've talked on, touched on that a little bit. Um, anything else you kind of want to wrap up the Doctor Who discussion with? Um. I just think it's Whitaker's fascinating. I hope she sticks around for a while. Um, one of the things I really liked about her portrayal is how strong she was. Like, I'm the doctor, you're not going to do this. But at yes. the same time, how empathetic she was at the same time. So there was no, like, indecision or, like, well, I need this and I need that. In the premiere, she's like, yes, you have those bombs in your head, but I haven't figured that out yet, but I'm working on it. Give me a minute. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like uh, some of the doctors, maybe not Tennant, but Capaldi certainly and Eccleston are very much like, I'm doing something, be quiet while I figure it out. And she was, her doctor oh, is, I see you there. I know you're worried. I'm working on it. Just, you know, right. and that that really struck me about her portrayal. Yeah, which which leads to her seeming to have more empathy than your when than most of the doctors, especially yeah, Capaldi. I think so. Even at the same time as she's saying, you know, we can't interfere and demon to the poon job, mm-hmm. um, or you know, saying Rosa we can't Rosa. do this for Rosa, um, which is absolutely correct. And, you know, her being sad about what Rosa Parks went through after. Um, there was a lot of empathy, and I don't know, and I, I hate, I don't want to say it was her femaleness, but I think it was either whoever wrote the lines or whether Whitaker insisted about acknowledging that there are other living beings around her pretty much at all times instead right. of just ignoring them. I agree. Which yep. is what many doctors do. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And... I'll be honest, sometimes I like that. <laughs> there are times when I like Capaldi telling people, you know what, just be quiet. <laughs> Let me think. I'll get back to you. <laughs> but there are times when the empathy certainly uh, is warranted. Best line of the season for me was in the Rosa Parks episode. Um, I, I forget exactly what the quote was, um, but it it was Yaz on the bus basically saying, I don't know where to sit. To me, that was yeah. the the most striking line of the entire season. I think was was that moment of you know, what have we done? What are we doing? You know, it it, it was it, to me that was the the line that just kind of the, the sealed the the entire season for me. But and I found I a lot so, of that that's, too, Sorry, go ahead, Karina. No, I was going to say, and that's a 
huge contrast to Legends of Tomorrow, which I adore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they had some episodes last season where I'm looking at them going, uh-uh. Yeah. No. And I think we lose a lot of our history when we start tapering over the actual racism. Yep, I agree. I talked about that with them, but we'll get back to that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But that was one of the things that I felt was through all of the episodes, because there are, because both, two of the main characters are now people of color. We now have this conversation, we can now have this conversation through the lens of Doctor Who, where we can address the everyday racism everybody experiences. Right. Which I, which I really I like that they didn't they didn't cringe away from that they didn't hide from that they went right for it, which is admirable to me. Absolutely, no, yeah. that's great. And uh, there were even a few lines where Jodie Whittaker is like, ah. you, you could see her frustrated. They wouldn't listen to her, and she was it, it was subtle acknowledging it was probably because mm-hmm. she was a woman and not I, a man. I, I actually think I think it was in Witchfinders where like she went flat out and said, you know, when I was a man, people used to listen to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah that uh, was, that episode I, definitely did. Watching deal with it. it, and I I was like, yeah, you go. And my <laughs> husband's like, would you just calm down? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who yelled at the TV. <laughs> no, no. Well, just to kind of put a exclamation mark on this, uh, the numbers have been in, and this season of Doctor Who has been the most watched of any of the seasons since they rebooted the series. So. Certainly, folks are watching, um, and I have—I won't say I've not heard a bad word, but the overwhelming majority has been in support of the the performances this season. Um, again, the writing at times has been weak, but there have been some what will go on. I'm sure to be classic episodes of Doctor Who's. So, yeah. look forward to that. Unfortunately, it's going to be a minute before we get to watch another one. We'll have the. Uh, the New Year's Day episode, and that'll be it for the year. So it's going to be a minute before we get another good new episode of Doctor Who after once we get into 2019. Yeah, I'm sure we can find other things to entertain us. I have a feeling we will. For example, segue. That's it. Perfect. Let's see. Let's talk a little bit about the week. We specifically, I know, want to talk about the crossover this week in the Arrowverse. If you want to, by all means, we can talk about the first half of the season for each of these shows, or we can just get to the nougaty goodness that is the crossover. Uh, what would you ladies prefer? Well, um, I uh, gave up on Arrow and mm-hmm. Flash. I was just going to ask that. Go. <laughs> oh, I gave up on and, Supergirl. And Supergirl I watched <laughs> sporadically. Um, Maybe mainly on Flash I gave up because I still can't get past the Barry, you're married to your sister. (laughs) I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, yeah. Uh, You know, and you're creeping on your sister, and it's worse when Dad calls Barry. Barry's son? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I've (laughs) given up on... I've chosen to ignore that because otherwise I find it to be... Creepy? A (laughs) lighthearted, fun show. Yeah. That doesn't take itself so seriously. That's which true. I enjoy. I yeah, I've given up on Supergirl. Um, I couldn't do it again. Another I season. I can't turn it off. I don't know why, guys. <laughs> I just can't give up on it. Arrow it, and so the Flash. Go ahead. Supergirl this season is 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 hard because 
as we said before, it's like they don't even try to be subtle. They're oh, just no. like there's sledgehammer on your head every three minutes. Yeah. I like agree. the I don't even remember what their name is, but the racists of liberty. Uh-huh. It's like could you beat like there is there is no even thought behind that. That's like taking what's happening in our country right now and making it against aliens instead of Right. And there's room for <laughs> good use of politics and metaphor and but then there's just blunt force trauma. And then there's what's happening on Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, this is well. Um but anyway, I came back for the crossover. So yes. I, I don't want to harp on why I gave up on Arrow. But. <laughs> I think that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Why you yeah, gave up on Arrow? a whole other episode. Yeah. But I think, hands down, this is the best crossover they've done. Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Boy, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. We agree on something? I thought last yeah, year's was pretty good. Shows, that's crazy. <laughs> So everybody so, came back for the crossover. We've all been invested on some degree, even if it's just on a limited uh, scale with this season. But the crossover mm-hmm. is what everybody comes back for. The ratings boost has been huge, not only for these three shows, but Legends got a little bit of a boost. And I think I haven't seen the numbers on Black Lightning, but I'd be surprised if they didn't see a boost as well. So let's Black talk. Lightning is terrible this season. Uh, yeah, I had to have given up on it too. <laughs> So let's talk about the crossover. I'm, we're not going to go night I by night. I disagree about Black Lightning a little bit, but that's a whole other podcast. That is another podcast. show. We've got so many shows we can do. Just, you know what know, we could do? We could, we could stagger those th- until things come back in mid to late January. We could, we could mm-hmm. meet up every week or so and just kind of hit one show at a time and do little short episodes. But... We'll discuss that offline later, right? For now. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about the crossover as a whole. The first moment that got me excited was the theme to Smallville as we were flying into Smallville. That was the Goosebumps moment of the entire crossover for me. I could could stop at that point. It was just worth the price of admission for me. But I'm really bummed that Tom Welling and Michael Rosenblum were not involved in some way. Yeah. I really need them to be part of this universe. It, like, I, I really, like, more than anything, I need this to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's over on Lucifer. Yes. I know. It's just not the same for me. So, I need them um, to be in Superman's world. Um, I really like this Superman. Though. Yeah. I really I like do. the way he's written. I really like um, his vibe. Um, you know, I like the way the actor sort of underplays it, whether he's channeling Chris Reeve or or not. I mean, Tom Welling's Superman was good, but it was a because he started off as an adolescent, it was sort of a different kind of vibe. Right. Yeah. More Superboy but than as, Superman. As a, more Superboy than Superman, but as Superman, this it feels like he's channeling Christopher Reeve, which is, you know, I'm sure you guys will agree with me because we're all about that age, which, you know, he's the Superman of my heart. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that this exists in the same universe with Brandon Routh, who physically channeled Christopher Reeve. He looked like Christopher Reeve, but he couldn't capture the, the, whether it's the twinkle in his eye or the smile on his face, he can't capture Superman the way that Christopher Reeve did, as well Well, as our current Superman. I would disagree with that just because um, I think the script for that movie was horrible. Well, yeah, there's a moment help. when he saves when he saves the airplane, and then he comes on and he gives a speech about 
flying is one of the safest ways to travel. Right. And and he really nailed it there. And he's basically playing a version of Clark Kent over right. on Legends too. And he's adorable. <laughs> um, so I think he could have been a great Superman. But, I, th- you know. I think he felt, so whether he it was because it was the first, camp. yeah, I don't know if it was because it was his first time or what, but he felt a bit wooden in that role to me. He feels like he's relaxed as he's become more experienced in, on Legends for sure. Yeah, but they did yeah. miss a chance to use him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that would have been fun. Um, what else? And I really, I like, I like the new Lois Lane. Yeah. Um, I like Amy Adams just fine. Um, oh, I, I love Amy Adams as an actress in general. I hate her as Lois Lane. No, I liked her as Lois Lane. Again, I felt like the scripts just let her down. Well, I mean, let's completely. Other than Wonder Woman, all of those scripts are horrible. <laughs> oh, they're just, they're just, you know, just atrocious. You know, although I would have watched Justice League sooner if somebody told me that Henry Cavill was running around without his shirt for like 10 minutes. Yeah, but even that wasn't worth it. <laughs> no, probably not. So, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out a quip about the hair on his lip and the hair on his chest, but I'm just not going to do it tonight because it's getting late. <laughs> so. But this Superman is terrific, and I yes. love this Lois. Really I thought this Lois was well-written. I thought she was a little over-the-top. Um, oh, that's what I loved about him. Like trying maybe a little too hard, but I think that's the style that CW shows. Yes. And you can see all the actresses have a similar style across the shows. It's not really a style I like, but I noticed it, like for instance, when Katie Cassidy used to play with scenes opposite Katrina Law as Nissa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a completely different level than they had her doing and I used to think she couldn't really act that well and then they put her in scenes with Nissa and I thought oh yeah yes. she can they're just demanding a particular style so right. and I thought that Lois was sort of in that style but I liked her a lot it works for Lois Lane because she is this ball buster of a woman mm-hmm. and so the over the top it, it worked better for the character for me well it did but she kept saying I have to do I have to do and I you know, I didn't think she needed to say it out loud, yeah. but so much. I think it was three or four times, but, I mean, that's a niggle. <laughs> She's certainly mm-hmm. better than the lowest we've gotten in the comics in, like, ages and ages and ages <laughs> and ages. So. That's a whole another podcast. For you and Ray to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh-huh. I can't talk to that one. I can't, that, no. I can't no. talk comics anymore. <laughs> so I really liked, I know we talked about the Easter eggs, but that, oh, as yeah. long as we're on Lois, I wanted to mention, you know, at the end of the first Superman, the movie, what does Superman do to save Lois? He spins the world backwards yeah, to exactly. stop time. And what are they doing in the crossover? They're spinning the world backwards to stop time. And you know the writer's room were just like, what do we have them do? Which no, is and, weird and because so he's... Sur- yeah, go ahead. It's so clear that the writers of the, these shows are fans of not just the comics, but of mm-hmm. of the classic movies and the shows. And they, they pay homage to that so regularly. Right. And the the way that they just drop subtle Easter eggs, like, I mean, in Arkham, I counted one, two, three, four, I mean, five or six major villains. Right. Mm-hmm. And then... And Mark Guggenheim, was, too. He and was Mark Guggenheim, up. which was nice. <laughs> it was a nice one. Um, and then the, the, the homage to Superman, the movie, where he spun the world backwards. Mm-hmm. Great. Which if Superman so can... Did you guys all catch the, the in, 
Kate Kane's office, and now I'm jumping around, and I apologize. No, go ahead. But did you catch in Wayne Tower where Shakespeare's head was? Did you catch that? Yeah. Yes, I caught this, but I actually geeked out, and I forgot to uh, write this down. The clock tower. Yes. I'm like, I want my birds of prey. <laughs> I know. Please, can I have my birds of prey? But they gave me the clock tower, so that was something. It yes, was. it was. The bat. Since we're transitioning, the Batwoman suit to me, it, it it felt like a step back in that it felt very Michael Keaton. Can't move my head in the cowl. Um, that I mean, I obviously she's somebody, a stunt woman, is doing uh, some amazing wire work. But she, but then she would stop and have a moment of dialogue and be wouldn't be able to turn her head more than fifteen degrees off center. So that kind of I don't know. Every time I saw that, it took me out just a little bit. Twitter seems uh, divided on the actress. Oh, really? I thought the actress was fine. I thought she was phenomenal. Yeah. I thought she was great, but then again, she was channeling, since I read the comics, originally, um, she was conceived as a slightly different character Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. she is currently in DC Comics. Like, they sort of did a little tiny soft reboot like now she's very connected to Bruce Wayne where originally she maybe she was a cousin right. they didn't really reference it and now she's very much drawn into the Batman mythos which sort of alters her character quite a bit um, and gives her family besides her father who she was really close with mm-hmm. um, which is what they concentrated on so I thought the actress did a great job at sort of channeling the new style Batwoman but I could see why some original fans might have been a little, like, not the Batwoman I envisioned. Yeah. Well, it's hard. Anytime there's an adaptation or moving from page to screen, whatever it is, whatever the page is and whatever the screen is, there's there's always compromises made for the sake of hopefully entertaining the masses that will watch on the screen that maybe didn't read the page. So I can understand both sides well, of it. But they did a good. She, they did a good job. The flirting between her and Kara was. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> she was Can looking Kara up and down like pretty them? constantly. Hmm? Can we please have a spinoff with them, Batgirl and Supergirl together? Come on. Yeah, if we Aww. could. Yeah, if we could just go ahead and not do Supergirl and just have call it World's Finest or whatever you want to call it, but yeah, just have those two on screen together and Alex. We'll bring yeah. Alex too. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, Alex is awesome. So overall thoughts on the crossover crossover. I mean, obviously we know that the point was, and I think I even said it before we got to this point, but it felt like they were really trying to sell all season long, especially on flash, um, that we're going to have the crossover sooner rather than later. Um, the crisis on infinite earths and sure enough at the end of Tuesday night, Supergirl episode, we got the, the title card for next season coming in 2019 crisis on infinite earths. What do you guys think? (laughs) Well, I think it's a way to do a soft reboot and maybe connect all the shows into the same universe. Mm -hmm. That would be a, and it's also a chance if one of the actors is going to step away, Mm -hmm. um, a chance to, you know, Emil's been doing this, what, seven years now, right? You know, he may need a break. I did think overall the the weakest part of this crossover was the monitor. Uh, the monitor's plan makes no sense. There's a really huge, horrible crisis coming, so I'm going to destroy 
let a whole bunch of worlds that may help me destroy themselves to yeah. find the strongest one. I'm like, mm, what? Yeah, it's that a makes bad no plan. sense. Huh? It's a bad plan. Yeah, it's a stupid plan. It's a nonsensical it's a plan. It's a bad plan. <laughs> yeah. It's a nonsensical plan. And, and I understand why they did it that way, so they could lead up to crisis. But it's right. just, you know, they could have had a bad monitor trying to do something. I don't know. But uh, the monitor was definitely the weakest part of this one. But maybe yeah. he's the weakest part of the regular crossover. Um, you know, the original comics one, too. Yeah. He was definitely I'm, more pre-crisis monitor, where the monitor's not necessarily a good guy, than, than crisis and post-crisis monitor, I think. Yeah, I think they were trying to channel something of Grant Morrison's final mm-hmm. crisis monitor maybe guy. Maybe so, yeah. and. Grant Morrison has just got such a weird offbeat vibe with his stuff that I think unless you are Grant Morrison, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is true. Um, so, but uh, I'm excited for Crisis. I think they're just going to use it to put everybody on the same Earth. Possibly. They need to because power not being on the same Earth is annoying. It is, <laughs> but at the same time, as infrequently as they use each other's resources i mean if, for example one of the better parts of the of this year's crossover was in the second night when caitlin and cisco actually went to star city you know they built the hall of justice what two crossovers ago why don't we ever use that why don't we ever have more interaction with and, and you will on occasion every once in a while you know diggle will show up in central city because king shark's on the loose or whatever but I don't know. I... Well, the, the problem is, if you put Flash in Star City, he could just capture everybody in like 10 seconds. Yeah, isn't that what you want as the guardian of Star City? I'm going to call Barry, right. and we're going to wrap this up before We're going to wrap this happy up, hour. and they never do, but I guess Barry's too busy changing time or whatnot. Right. Um, <laughs> to, go. you know, or trying to get yeah. more speed or whatever it is. His, whatever whatever crisis is happening over there. Yeah. yeah, whatever time whatever you sadness want, he's dealing with today. There. It's, yeah. it's just it's just too busy. Um, Which is why I'm not, if you know, yeah, if Kara comes over, great. That's another resource we're never going to use until November sweeps week. So, well, December they did have case. a good explanation for this universe's Batman, where they were like, Batman's an urban myth. <laughs> Batman's an urban myth. Yeah. You know, I like, like that. I was the first hero. You know, and it, that actually amused the heck out of me because, you know, there's the whole tradition in the comics of uh, Green Arrow having the Arrow car and the Arrow thing. And, right. You know, Batman yeah. every now and then would go, did you have to imitate everything? Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah. I also that was a- like, I like the, the way that, in a way, it moved both, excuse me, it moved both um, Arrow and Flash ahead as characters a little because... They both mm-hmm. needed to get in touch with different emotions so they could grow as characters, which I really liked. And I really just enjoy when these two guys are on screen together. Yeah. they are. It's so fun to watch them. They, they just are very clearly very compatible, and they play so well off of each other. They do. They really they do. Really do. Um, and it's same with whether we call them the B-team or the backup squad or the Scooby gang, whatever you want to call them. But... You put Velocity and Cisco together, and Kate, like you put them all in the same room, and I'm just happy listening to them. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, 
So Although I do, do have a question, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Cisco met Superman. Yeah. And did not geek out at all. Because it's old hat by this point. <laughs> I don't know. It bothered me. Yeah. Superman. Like, not even a, oh my god, you're Superman. Nothing. Or coming up with a better name for him. Okay. Or, or coming up with a better name. <laughs> you know, for Superman. Him. I mean, there's already a Supergirl. Do we really need that? Sounds too macho. Gotta trying to compensate. You know, how about we go with something else? Yeah. <laughs> Let's call him Titan. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call him anything. Do we think at all? And I know we're all just you know shaking the magic eight ball and see what happens. But do we think with the current state of everything DC on the screen? big screen, small screen, with Gotham wrapping up, with the DC Universe doing its thing, with the less than warm response that the DC films have received over the years, with the exception of Wonder Woman, do we think that maybe they combine things down and go the Marvel route, where it's all in one connected universe, story universe, or do we think that they continue the path of, well... You guys do your thing on TV. We'll do. We'll we'll continue not to get people to come to the movies. <laughs> I do think that they are moving toward. I don't know if they're going to completely mesh the world because I I think they still have hope for the movie. I know there's a another Batman movie planned, possibly not with Bat Bat Ben Affleck, who right. is terrible. Um, I, I think they're recasting just about everybody except for uh, Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot. Yeah, but I do like. think that with Gotham wrapping up, that leaves anybody who was mentioned in Gotham open and up for grabs. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that because there has been this kind of hands-off approach where you can't really mention Gotham or Bruce Wayne or any of the Bat villains or the Bat family up until the last. I mean, we got a little bit last season, but. Um, you know, and there was, a, there was a mention of um, that Bruce Wayne was the Green Arrow or something like that. Right, yeah. Yeah, that was the first time I think that, and, and everybody was kind of excited and surprised to hear the Bruce Wayne drop, name drop. But uh, We were just saying, um, what were we just saying? We were saying now that Gotham is ending, yes. I think that DC is using the Arrowverse because it is so successful. As a place to use those characters. I don't think Batman will ever appear in the Arrowverse unless the movies really crash and burn. Right. But I think yeah. as long as Wonder Woman continues to do well, they're, they're going to hold on to that hope. Well, here's what I think is going to happen with the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, since they have a character who already exists in the past, Wonder Woman. Right. And since they were making Wonder Woman 84, which uh, it's like they reached into my brain. Wonder Woman 84 in the 80s. I know, oh it's amazing. I'm like, yes. Yes, I love it already. I don't care. I don't but, care how bad it is, but it's in 1984, so it's amazing. I know. So they have a chance to reboot. Yeah. The universe. Yeah, they that can use the cinematic crisis. cinematic universe. Wonder yeah. Woman can, she's got the Olympian gods. Right? They can create a new timeline. Steve Trevor's alive. My guess is one of the Olympian gods grabbed Trevor before the plane blew up and took him to Olympus. I mean, that would be the easiest way. 
Yeah, yeah. I've I've heard and the uh, the Ma- Martian Manhunter theory as well. So. So either way works, and they can reboot the universe. And you'll notice Wonder Woman just got pushed back a year. Right. Yeah. And so, they also and can I, actually I, establish that Themyscira is part of their world. Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow. Right? So it, yeah, it, it would mesh easily. It really would. So, um, so I think they're going to reboot it. I don't necessarily think they're going to make it connect to the TV. I still think they're going to want to get a good Batman movie. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't know what to think about the Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey movie, except the Prey that's not awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for that right now. Yeah, that's all I got. I mean, I see the casting and I'm like, uh, it looks fine, but, you know, <laughs> they had Amy Adams as well as Wayne. They couldn't do anything with her, so. Yeah, so we'll see. But as far as the TV universe, I think they're going to use Crisis. They're going to condense everything. Emil might leave. Um, you know, we can talk about who's going to die. You know, there was a big I hint. I think it's going to be Barry. Well, he if they cut. stay true to the comics, then Barry and Kara will both have a rough go. Of no, it they're not killing year. off Kara. <laughs> they're not going to kill off Kara, but I think they no. might kill off Barry because at one point during this crossover, and I'm just trying, oh, Iris made Barry promise to come back to her. Well, she always mm-hmm. does. That's and every week. She always does that, but he said, he said, I am absolutely coming back. I would never leave you. That's so foreshadowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then there was the whole, what was Oliver's deal that he made with the monitor to get, you know, that, the way that I think Oliver up, so. in some way sacrificed himself. Yeah. yeah. If not now, then next year. Then at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. And, and they've got people that carry the Arrowverse. They have Diggle. They have Well, they've William. got a new Arrow this year, so. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, they could have a new, they could introduce Connor Hawk, although. They kind of did on Legends that. already. Yeah, that's well, well, we didn't talk about Legends. Oh, my God. Let's that do it. Let's get to Legends. Let's, let's do the transition to that Legends. Is, that is so much. The first season of Legends was so dreary, and season two wasn't much better. And then at some point, I think the writer's room just ripped up the script and just, you know, we've got, we've got Victor Garber. We've got, you know, all these great actors. Let's just. Let him go in the dialogue. Oh. And this this episode was just cracking me up. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> it had everything. It did. And yet at the end, I was really scared for Constantine. I'm like, no! <laughs> so it had me emotionally invested. Although Sirens are space-time. That was brilliant. <laughs> uh, see, we love the uh, custodians of the chronology better. But yes, the Sirens were good, too. Oh, the the Katie, the, the Katie, was beautiful. <laughs> Can you laugh? Oh was that? my God, the puppets, and they were singing puppets, and it was just like, I just lost it with the puppets. And then Mick going on a crime spree with the fairy godmother. <laughs> I love the way they are using him this season, because he's he could easily, they could easily fall into what I would call the Jack Sparrow trap, where, you know, you do three movies with Captain Jack Sparrow as a... Bugs Bunny, Loki-type character. He's the trickster. He moves things along when they slow down. Mick Mm -hmm. could be that. And they have have so far shown restraint in not trying to force him into taking more of a lead role, more Mm -hmm. minutes on the show. So when they do pull him out and he's going on a crime spree spree with uh, the fairy godmother or he's, you know, fighting with Garima, his own personal creation, you know, it's... (laughs) 
It's just, I mean, he's already a great character, and Dominic mm. Purcell just owns it. But Can I say how exciting it is to see a television show, right, sci- take science fiction romance seriously? <laughs> well, semi-seriously? I mean, because that's basically what I've written as a fiction writer. And we're all right. like, you know, we, we all keep pointing out, you know, science fiction romance is a thing, and now we have Rory writing science fiction romance. And, oh, uh, you know, and... You know, and she's a good character, too, because he yeah. didn't, like, create a slave. He created, like, a, a warrior princess type of, yeah. And the fact <laughs> that at one point Ava was like, this is absolute trash. I love it. You know, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> and and, and Zari has, Zari and the shapeshifter, who they got the actress to play the Maya back. Yeah. I mean, she's been uh, liberated, that actress, to just yeah. have fun yeah. this season. And I think that's the difference. I think this season, they just look like they're having so much fun. Oh, with they each do. other, with these stories, with the fact that magic really just lets you do anything to a story. Oh, it mm-hmm. could have easily been a, the dark season with Constantine fighting his demons. And and it's absol- they have completely gone the opposite direction by making it as absurd and over-the-top goofy as they possibly could. With yeah. including I, I, the inspired casting of Biff Tannen from Back to the Future. Oh, I get Biff. Oh How much did you love the episode where he actually picks up a guitar? I mean, come yeah. on. Well, and then there was I one episode like, where he's, you know, let's make like a tree and leave. I think he said at one point. So. Yeah, he actually said, let's make like a tree and get out of here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so it was just, yes. yeah, they're just, I mean, having spoken with the writer's room a couple of times, they know what they are <laughs> they know that they are the goofy the child in the family and so they they own it they love it they're having a great time I and mean, i think it shows even the meta commentary this yeah. episode oh, must be the crossover calls from carzorel barry allen and oliver queen oh must be time for the annual crossover yeah. Art pass. and and oh i bet they're gonna swap costumes this year <laughs> huh yeah. That was one of the lines that they said. Is like, oh, I guess they're going to swap costumes this year. Yeah. <laughs> and they had to show there. And, and at the and same Zari time... Has, go ahead. Go ahead. I think they're doing Zari and the shapeshifter as a relationship now, too. Or maybe. So it's kind of... The representation on the show is deserving of mention as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they've gotten gayer every season. Which is I hilarious. love it. Yeah. I love it. And all the relationships work, too. Oh, yeah. And they're real relationships. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like... Which is something I know that you've had a problem with in the past. Because they don't, in general, in the Arrowverse, they haven't written relationships very well. But no. these are well-written relationships. No. They sort of, once the women are in relationships, they get written as the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of, like, like, Felicity, season one was great, and all of a sudden she's involved with Oliver, and now she's as bad as... Written in this, but whole other podcast. Right now, right now, Felicity the crap out of me. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, that's a whole other podcast, though. <laughs> yeah, but we can like spend an hour on how annoying Felicity has been since Oliver went to yeah. jail. Is it fair to say that yeah. they certainly write uh, the queer relationships much better, more realistically than they do the straight relationships in the Arrowverse? Is that a fair yeah, statement based on everything that. we've seen so far? Yeah, didn't we have, uh, I think we talked about this one either, Mordecai and I did. We talked about because they can't fall back on the stereotype of the girlfriend. Exactly. 
Yeah. They have to examine the relationship from the angles of both characters. Yep. And I think that's why Alex and uh, and Maggie work so well. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's why um, Jimmy and Lena doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they don't know what. I don't know. It's like they tie themselves in knots. Like, oh no, she's a girl in the relationship. What do we do? Um, you know, and that's why Iris put them in, in the writers' room and let them figure it out. But on Legends, they're all such characters, and they—it's not just the romantic relationships. They write well. They write well the relationships between Nick and Sarah and Nate Dari and Ray. And, and, yeah, which Nate yeah, and Ray is and, not a romantic relationship, but I mean. The, but watching those two get romance. goofy together. Yeah, the bromance between the two of them is just, it's great to watch. Yeah, the fellow brony thing. That <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the first episode, oh yeah, bronies, you know. Um, Hank was really annoying me for a while because it seemed like every episode had to center him. Right. And now he's sort of gotten into the right place in the cast, too, where he's just like the annoying bro dude. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of mm-hmm. goofy fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Does anybody no. else feel like they missed an opportunity with yeah, the the Dubbuck that possessed the the puppet of Professor Stein, which is funny, but oh, I felt yeah. like we missed we missed the opportunity. He should have possessed the Bebo puppet, so we could have had the foul-mouthed <laughs> evil Bebo running around the ship. I feel like Bebo's creepy enough without being possessed. Well, that's the thing. That would have made it. That would have brought it again. We talk about how they just go for it, go over the top. That would have certainly cemented that as something to watch. But I love that they have a puppet of Professor Stein just on the ship. Oh, yeah. Well, no, yeah. it was from... Like, what? That's fabulous. Uh, it was from an episode. Yeah, I was it season one? Episode, because, yeah, it was it was Snart, or one a version of Leonard Snart, was like doing therapy with the Professor Stein oh, puppet. right. I forget what right. season I'd it was. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's why it just happened to be laying around the ship, so... So, it it has been, uh, all of these shows are going to be back in January, except for Legends, which I kind of... April. Yeah, which which, the first thing I thought of, honestly, when I saw the the title card for the crossover for next year, my first thought was, man, it would kind of stink to be in the Legends writer's room and be like blindsided by that. Like, okay, we weren't part of your crossover this year. We're not coming back until April when everybody else is finished. We're kind of running into the summer when ratings tend to be lower. I just hope that they had a heads up that next year is going to be the crisis because if not, that could well, have been a really bad feeling to watch that and be like, oh, nobody I told us. I think they're going to use Legends to lead up to the crossover. Maybe so. Because that would be the natural look. There's a problem in the multiverse. Right. You know, now that they've got the time core all established and – and, um, you know, oh, they have Gary. Gary's not going to run back in time and break something else? Gary's fantastic. Do you say <sighs> Barry or Gary? No, I said Gary. Gary. Okay, because I thought Gary. you said Gary. <laughs> Gary's a great bartender, too, so. Yeah, because we know he, he exists in the other multiverses, too. That's right. He's such a big fan. It's the Traitor Twins. And he's the same <laughs> character. in the His doppelganger is the same guy, which is funny. They missed a chance for him and C- well, they did have him and Cisco in the same scene, but not goofy, geeky Cisco. Oh no, no, that was no. gangster Cisco. All right, so I thought it was bold as well to go ahead and plant your flag without 
the commitment that there's going to be a next fall for any of these shows as well. So hopefully somebody well, behind the scenes knows something we don't. Wasn't Arrow picked up for two seasons at the beginning of this season? Were they? I don't know. I, I knew this I season, up. but I didn't. I hadn't heard anything. Everything was picked up really late, too, which was kind of why I thought yeah. this might be, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out. Well, I think if they, they can continue Arrow without a meal. Oh yeah, they can. without their lead. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, any of these actors outside of perhaps Supergirl, I mean, Barry Allen is expendable if they can find a way to bring Wally in, or you know, I mean, there are different ways they can go. Yeah, I don't think Barry's as expendable as you think uh, because I think they won't just. Be- I think they won't get yeah. rid of him just because we. Ex- it, it, we there is a group there's a percentage of people who are diehard comics fans that think that it has to play out that way mm-hmm. my guess is yes the swerve will be will lose Oliver as opposed to Barry but but at the same time I think he I mean there are a lot there have been a lot of flashes there are a lot of speedsters and if you're condensing down universes you know we did not see what happened to uh, 1990s Barry uh, he was just pushed away from the monitor, and then that was the last appearance in the crossover. So, they... yeah, we forgot to give props to John Leslie Ship. <laughs> I love that he keeps popping up. Yeah, I actually <laughs> yeah, saw him uh, in. Back. I saw him in Louisville two weekends ago, and I was asking about it, how the suit fit, and he said it was a bit tighter in the midsection than he remembered, but otherwise it fit pretty well. So, <laughs> I think I they must have taken that in. Showing up, but. They don't have a natural successor to Barry on Flash. They really don't. I mean, Wally, I love the actor they have playing right. Wally, but they just, either he hasn't been available or they haven't used him enough to... Oh, he th- left the show. Yeah, I think he decided he wanted to... He, he pulled a uh, Colton Haynes, who plays Roy Harper. Yeah. He he got his moment, and then he wants to go do something else. I suspect we'll see him again. Um, not because his other things didn't pan out, whatever else he's pursuing. I know he does some music work as well, but... I, I just if they if they pull back up the Brinks truck and say, "Hey, this is kind of what we're thinking," I have a feeling we could see him back if they go that route. But again, there have been so many speedsters; they could go any direction. Impulse, yeah, impulse. They need impulse, is what they need. Although they went with Nora, so I don't know quite what's going on there. Yeah, that was kind of a weird thing, but it but is. I think what it'll it is. be interesting to see where they're taking it. Yeah. I don't know. You, you, you all who watch Flash. I'm not. Yeah. Am I the only one who still watches all these? I, I don't watch it religiously, but I do catch moments of just about every episode, and it's usually like the tail end. So it's, Mm -hmm. yeah. The and it's interesting too because I think this is the first time that the crossover is the mid-season finale for all these shows. Usually, there's like one more episode that gives us a proper mid-season finale based on, you know, the the primary storyline, but yeah, the last mm-hmm. thing we saw of the flash prior to the crossover kind of makes you wonder what is going on with Nora. So it'll be interesting to see how yeah. that plays out. Mm-hmm. Should be interesting. Okay. That's yeah. what I've got. Have you, I anything will else, watch ladies? the crisis episode. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think we will all probably watch that as well as a few hundred thousand others that have fallen off the wagon. And also, can we get an Amazon show while we're at it? An Amazon show? <laughs> yes. What do we want on Amazon? What do we want there? Uh, well, no, no, I meant Amazon. 
Wonder oh, Woman's with uh, okay, uh, okay. I thought you meant yeah, we the, definitely need <laughs> I thought you meant like Jeff and, Bezos uh, is going to start producing yeah, DC no, shows. If, if, if we have a Wonder Woman in this in this universe, I then I really need that girl, Wonder Woman and Supergirl, to get together. Yeah, yeah. the seven year old in me needs that. <laughs> this is true. yeah, and right now they've also got uh, Krypton, which I yes, was which very is fantastic. About, I haven't but... seen that one at all. It became fantastic at the end. Yeah. It really did. It just gained momentum. And I'm like, um, I happen to be in a Facebook group with someone who's connected to the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and he was like, keep. And I'm like, now I want an alternate reality because it's too good. <laughs> and you can't just blow it up or get it stolen. And he's like, keep watching. Keep yeah. watching. Now, that was a show that, based on the early trailers, I thought was going to be absolutely terrible. You're going to take the most interesting parts of the Superman mythos and make a show without any of that. And mm-hmm. you've got the MacGuffin, you know, it's Marty McFly's, you know, picture of his siblings. You've got Superman's cape disappearing. And I was prepared to absolutely hate it. And I have absolutely loved that show. And I can't wait for it to be back next, no, next well, year. I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's, it, do, it's go, good. go into it with no expectations and just let yourself be entertained. Okay. Team's odd. Team's odd. <laughs> right, I will get back to you on that. Okay. All right. Well, that is going to wrap this one up. Let us know what you thought about this year's Arrow crossover. Uh, let us know what you thought about Doctor Who Season 11. Anything that we've talked about, anything that we didn't mention but you feel like we should have, let us know because we are going to do this again, and we would love to use your suggestions and give you a shout-out on an upcoming episode. You can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we will use the Pop Goes the Culture podcast social media stuff since we're going to run this both at Geek Dad and on popgoestheculture.com. So you can hit us on Twitter at PGTC Podcast. That stands for Pop Goes the Culture Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash popgoestheculturepodcast. If you don't do the social media thing, you can just send us an email, popgoestheemail at gmail.com. Or if you're feeling brave, you can call and leave us a recorded message on the hotline. That phone number is 417-986-7842. And we will potentially use some recorded messages in an upcoming episode. So if you've got thoughts on any of this, Uh, Be sure to hit us up and let us know what your thoughts are. And like I said, we'll give you a shout-out. We'll use your recorded voice and comments on an episode. It's all up to you. This thing is fun for me, and I hope you ladies had a good time as well. But it's uh, hopefully it's a lot more fun for the folks that are listening, and we'd love to get you folks involved. So participate with us. Links to all that and more again at popgoestheculture.com. Anything else for this first episode of Same Geek Channel? Uh, no, I mean, we could probably go on for hours. So we could. We <laughs> could. Yeah, this was going to be 20 minutes. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. I Like I said, I had a great time. This is, uh, again, a little bit of backstory. You know, we kind of have, I feel like, and maybe your pr- perspectives are different, but I feel like we've kind of struggled on how to do a good conversation about what's going on on television with the shows that we all love we've tried doing different versions of recaps and reviews and we've tried doing things on social media to get a conversation going but um this i feel like might be the natural fit for how we can have these discussions and and make it feel like a discussion and a conversation and hopefully get folks involved as well participating with us so hopefully you feel the same Well, that was always my thought with a podcast yes 
I agree. Well, it was definitely All lots right. of fun. Good. Okay. All right. So we will get this up and running, and hopefully we'll get some participation. Just me when you're ready, Joey. Okay. Oh yeah, I'll let you know as soon as it's ready, and that's going to wrap it up. Again, I've been Joey Mills with GeekDad.com, and I'm Karina with GeekMom.com, and I am Lisa, formerly of (laughs) GeekMom.com. And we are going to get out of here. Have a great night. Talk to us again, uh, so we can use your comments in the next episode. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Good night. This show has been brought to you by the Pop Goes the Culture Podcast Network. Find links to all of our podcasts and more at popgoestheculture.com.